Welcome data enthusiasts. I'm Joseph from Zuma and this is Data for Good. Our podcast is brought to you by Zuma. We're a dedicated recruitment company for senior data, insights and analytics professionals, connecting you with Berlin's most influential and innovative companies. But today we're joined by Serena Lee. Serena is Director of Consumer Insights with Strava over in San Fran. Strava, of course, I, I won't introduce too much. Most people will know the, the multi-sport tracking platform that I also use. Um, but we were first introduced during your days at Babel in Berlin. That's, that's right, isn't it, Serena? Yeah. Um... Thank you so much for having me, Joseph. Um, it's really great to be here. Um, I was in Berlin when you reached out. Um, I lived in Berlin for seven years. Um, mm. So Berlin is like my second home. Um, I recently moved to California, so really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Connecting you with your roots to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it, Serena. How's my audio, by the way? Uh, pretty good. Okay, cool. I think there might be a tiny little lag, so I'll consider that in our conversation. Okay. Um, great. Today, I, I understand that you'd like to talk about the state of data insights, or at least a particular area of data insights. And we will mm -hmm. definitely get into that. It sounds pretty exciting, whatever direction yeah. you take it in. But let's wind back a minute. We like to start the pod by asking our guests a little bit about how they first discovered data analytics and how they, uh, yeah, how they first got into data. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of data and insights professionals are driven by curiosity. We, we like to get to the bottom of things. We like to ask why. We like challenges. And I'm not different. Um, so when I went to college, I actually wanted to study theoretical physics. I thought that was a way to understand the world. And then my mom said, that would be your path to unemployment. Um, so well, I decided to go for <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. She, she's just like it would be very difficult for you to find a job um, if you don't want to stay in academia. I think it's just right to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I decided to go for mathematics, and um, I, I, I really loved it. So as a math major. It was a natural progression to go into the data world after graduation. Um, and I always found studying human behaviors fascinating. Um, so I took an opportunity to that allowed me to analyze people. And um, I, I enjoyed problem solving, and then I realized I could solve much bigger problems with a team. So I got into people management positions, and then one thing led to another. I ended up where I am now. Wow, fantastic. 
you know, your mum might have been right, not for me to say. However, we do see uh, in the candidates that we meet daily or weekly, we do see a lot of physics graduates and physics masters graduates as well. It lends itself very, very well to the data analytics uh, world. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe your mum was right. Maybe there was uh, <laughs> some middle ground there. Uh, yes. And also, great that you've made that connection or you've shown us that there is a very clear connection between human behavior and analytics. They are completely integrated, intertwined with one another. We need one to get the other and vice versa. And, and that brings us to, I assume, your position as uh, Director of Consumer Insights with Strava. Um, so you've been there a few months, uh, I guess, yeah. learning the lay of the land. Uh, yeah. Us way back in, in Europe, we're, we're constantly making comparisons with the US. We understand that uh, the US is highly advanced in it, its use of uh, data for, for better or worse. That, that, that's not the topic of today. But since tell us, since you've been there in, in the, the short time, what have you gleaned? What have you learned? Can you have you noticed any differences between how Europe and how the US does data? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm privileged to have had the opportunity to work in Europe and now in the US. Um, so it's super interesting to see the data and insights world from two perspectives. Um, I think there, there are a lot the U.S. can learn from Europe and vice versa. And uh, we all know that Europe is way ahead of the rest of the world in terms of protecting private data, right? Arguably, it's the most significant difference between the U.S. and Europe um, in terms of data insights. It's topical um, right well, now, in fact. It's very topical. Yeah. It's been in the news with the, the Biden administration and uh, how they're responding to EU data laws and how, yeah, and that's another topic. Yeah, yeah. The, the US is definitely catching up. Um, California is, I guess, ahead of the rest of the uh, country. Um, but you, Europe is still, you know, ahead. <laughs> I think the leader in this um, space. Um, um, well, I'm personally an advocate for GDPR. I think the data and insights professionals in Europe tend to have relatively less access to some consumer data than their peers in the US. Um, so you wouldn't that, have that would the chance sense, to- right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they they just don't have access to certain types of data or the volume data that their uh, American peers have. So you don't mm -hmm. have the chance to work on, for example, high dimensional data reduction problems if you didn't have high dimensional data in the first place, right? So the same mm -hmm. goes for um, data infrastructure and data storage. Um, if you are collecting much more data, 
then you gotta figure out where you are going to put that data, right? Um, um, and um, actually, a very good example of U.S. companies being innovative using consumer data um, would be a data product that Strava created um, called nice Strava. Plug. Nice plug. Yeah. <laughs> Talk us through um, it. Time for me to yes. <laughs> time for me to advertise a Strava product. Um, no, but I'm a so big fan, by the way. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think this is probably my favorite part about uh, Strava. Um, Strava built a tool using aggregated consumer um, writing and uh, running data to help urban planners to design um, pedestrian-friendly and bikeable cities uh, because we were able to collect all those movement activity data, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so... To the audience, if you want more bike lanes in your neighborhood, upload your bike, biking to Strava, and promote Strava Metro to your city council. It, uh, interesting. No, it, it's interesting because, yeah, um, and I do apologize, I think there's a little bit of a lag, so I'm trying not to interrupt, but so much of it is, uh, is interesting. Uh, yeah. So it was first a platform uh, targeted at urban planning rather than right now, at least the product I see is, is about multi-sports and tracking and socializing your data from sports activity. Okay, wow, interesting evolution. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, when we have all those data from our users, you know, their biking, their running data, we were thinking, how can we, you know, use those data to make the world a better place. And we were like, okay, maybe we can, you know, aggregate those data, provide it to, you know, city designers so they can, you know, look at where, where people are biking, where should we put those bike lanes? How can we make the city more pedestrian friendly? Um, yeah, mm. that's, so that's how, how the product uh, started. Um, this product is actually free for uh, city urban planners to use. So if you're uh, listening to this and you are interested in using the aggregated data, then just go to Strava Metro and submit your application. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Strava Natural is that? Metro, yes. Metro, my apologies, Strava yeah. Metro. I yeah, have, Metro. Yeah, I have several uh, colleagues across the industry that would find that very interesting. Urban planners, but also potentially um, data stakeholders from the mobility industry, uh, both commercial yeah. and public. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's some yeah strong background from Strava there, and yeah, although it's a really short time, I, I, and I don't want to set such high expectations, but. Could you tell us a little bit about what your team is working on or, or how it's done differently uh, in Consumer Insights since you've been there? Yeah, um, so what I'm working on mostly is understand consumers on a human level, going deeper into the psychological drivers and 
look into what is the emotional need that drives their surface behavior, right? Um, um, I'm, I guess I can give you an example of um, what I used to work on at Bubble, right? We all know that people learn um, languages and you want to know why people learn languages, right? And on the surface, people will tell you, I learn languages because I, um, I'm going on a trip to Paris with my family. So on the surface, the reason is travel. And, mm -hmm. But if you look deeper into it, there is a fundamental human truth that drives this reason that they learn for travel. It could be that they are going to Paris with their family. And this person is maybe, um, let's say the father of the family. And he wants to make, he wants to order food for his uh, kids. He wants to make sure that the family feels safe. So it is this, you know, I want to provide for my family. I want to protect my family. I want my family to have better experience. Hence, I'm learning. So mm. that is the fundamental human driver. And my job is to help the organization to understand one level deeper than what we normally observe. I see. So one level deeper than what you've just described or exactly that? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. So the human need, the utility behind the product's use. Very right. interesting. Could you relate that to Strava then? Babbel is very interesting as are language platforms and particularly the machine learning that goes into um, creating these platforms. I'm really interested yeah. in, in Strava, but also from a per personal perspective, being a user. And, I, and I'm not just trying to be a fanboy, but I find it fascinating how it's able to track my movements, track the movements of people around me, how it's able to make recommendations, um, record lots of um, different things that are going on anytime I take a, a run or a cycle somewhere. So yeah, could yeah. you relate that to Strava? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think tracking is not different from you know language learning. Um, we know that people want to track, but we want to know why people want to track, right? And one reason is we all want to be better. We are we all have the desire uh, for self-improvement, right? But self-changing is hard. And we need something that, you know, either gives us positive feedback so that we keep motivated and inspired to keep going. And tracking is a way for us to see our own progress and improvement. And that just has so many implications on our product side, right? 
how do you make this progress visible to your users? How can you help them to celebrate every little step of success, right? So that um, deeper understanding enable us to create product that actually addresses your deeper needs. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of the, um, I, I have to admit now, um, although I'm not a user of Instagram, a little bit of the same thinking perhaps behind um, social validation and social connection. I think I, I yeah. use Strava um, for team events and sometimes I use it when I'm running with a friend. So you're able to compare those results and compare routes and such. So yeah, there's definitely that um, yeah that social validation need that goes into it as well. Interesting, yeah. really interesting. Okay, so hmm, consumer insights. Um, I, I'm curious, a lot of the conversations that we have around Berlin are at the moment about data mesh and how we integrate integrate data into the business side of an organization and on the professionals and the resources and the tooling and the strategies that go along with that what are your thoughts on that and what's going on from what you can see in the u.s uh do you mean there is, what, what do you mean it's happening in Berlin? Sorry. Um, sorry. So we have a lot of um, conversations like this uh, and, and slightly different with uh, yeah. senior data leadership professionals in Berlin. And a lot of the conversations that we have are around how uh, the data side of an organization is fit into the business side of an organization. Uh, and what goes along with that is the, the philosophy or the concept of a data mesh, wh whether that relates to your work or, or not. But I, I, yeah, I'm curious to know, now that you're at director level, how, how should data professionals fit into an organization? How do you see it working now? Yeah, that's an excellent question and probably a million dollar question. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um, I think data data org structural design is super fascinating, and um, there are a couple of important questions to address, and I think probably the most debated one is how centralized or decentralized and data org should be. Um, today, most data org tend to be on the decentralized side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. uh, meaning you assign one or more data analysts, uh, data scientists or analytics engineer to each product vertical. Um, in a central decentralized world, um, analysts can go deep into the given function. Uh, when there is a request, the stakeholders will spend less time on explaining the context. 
Mm-hmm. But so d- just to give an overview, that product team would have a software engineer, uh, a data scientist, yeah. or scientist. Uh, and then yeah, essentially DevOps, product manager, UX, right. UI. Okay, okay. Yeah, Sorry. It, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know that's how you know most um, data uh, product org is set up. Um, but in this embedded model, you often see silos. Um, there tends to be less exchanges um, between analysts. Um, you might have a weekly team meeting, I think, which which is um, most of the data teams have nowadays. Um, the analysts will share their, the project that they are working on, but it is more difficult for the data team to identify common themes and patterns across functions. And it is more difficult for the data or leader to influence higher level strategic decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would challenge the data insights professional to revisit their the, the embedded model. Um, I don't think there is a perfect model. You have to find a best based on your industry and your growth stage. Um, but I, I would um, challenge us to think, would a more centralized structure enable you to have higher impact across the board? Um, what role do you want data to play in your organization? Do you want it to passively responding to tickets or do you want to be in the driver's seat and actually have a say where the company in where the company goes? As a data professional, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm, so, so there's a couple of things to, to unpack there. The, the, the first or the top one was about how the data leaders are unable to or are less able to influence decisions with the decentralized model. Could you right. explain that a bit further for me? Why, why is that? Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the reason, and I think most important reason is when you have a decentralized structures, you have your team deep in each of the product verticals, mm-hmm. meaning they have this exchange across the board. So they are very deep. They are not having this 10,000 feet view on what's going on. There is a less sharing and exchanges on you know what's happening at different places in a company. So you are it's more difficult to identify the common themes. Um, that means it's more difficult for the leader of the data org to have a say in the business decisions. Mm. And also, 
I, I think, if, if I'm understanding correctly, each of those data professionals that is deep into their product vertical and not able to see high level, they're not able to yeah. think about the business goal. It's really only their one product focus and therein they can't help the senior uh, data leaders do their strategizing. Very interesting, very interesting. May I ask, how do Strava um, set up their uh, data teams? Is it um, centralized or decentralized? It's decentralized. Okay, just curious, yeah. just curious. Yeah, okay. it is. And as you said, there's not a right or wrong, but there's um, yeah. you believe there's ways that could be improved. So talk us yeah. through the more centralized model. What would that look like? Yeah, um, I think in a more centralized uh, structure, um, your data org would be a standalone team, meaning you don't have a uh, a, a one data analyst or one data scientist assigned or embedded in the product vertical. Mm -hmm. uh, you obviously you are still going to have you know data requests. And, um, you you would still have you know uh, reporting um, tasks to work on, but the team would work on those things actually as a team. So the team would have a chance to work on, for example, different parts of the organization, work on different product requests. Some will work on acquisition, some will work on retention. And mm -hmm. um, that would enable more exchanges and also give them a better view on what's actually going on in the company um, and that also give the leader of the data org an opportunity to know what's actually happening to the business to the company on a high level and how can they make recommendations to, to influence the business decisions. Fantastic. So yeah, they get to um, share information, share different perspectives from teams that they've worked with or products that they've worked with on prior projects. And also maybe that they can unify the ways of working so we all we all produce and we all deliver projects in a similar fashion i like it do you know of any businesses that ha that are taking this approach um i do actually um actually bubble has the a more uh centralized uh motto which i right. think it work really well yeah um, Fantastic. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, we we yeah we we have spoken to uh, a, a senior data leader from Babel, but yeah, maybe that's a topic that we can revisit. Uh, yeah, yeah, sounds very interesting. And it also, I I think, from a prof a, a career perspective of a data professional, it would be um, encouraging them to think more like a business strategy professional 
as well as just a data professional. Interesting, which also gives them skills that will be used as they move up the chain to lead or tech lead or people lead. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh. Yeah. Th thanks for sharing that. I think that's uh, something that we should start to socialize that, that question more and more. Yeah. Looking good. 100%. Yeah. We, we've talked um, generally about uh, data professionals in the industry. Can, can I focus on your specific area, consumer insights? Where, yeah. are we at, where, where are we at now with our understanding and um, operational activities and where can we be or where will we be? Uh, super interesting question. Um, I think some industry, I think a consumer insights is more mature in some industry than others. Um, and I think tech is, um, one industry where you don't see a lot of, um, consumer insights or where like consumer insights um, has a lot of opportunities to grow. Um, we have a huge volume of online behavior data that gives us a superficial understanding of people. But two women at the same age living in the same zip code might even be next door, can have completely different needs and preferences and political orientations. Um, a lot of online businesses or tech companies would treat them the same because their dry data or observed data or currently observed data are the same. So there is a lack of deep insights about people. We currently don't understand people or user, you know, on the other side of digital world as humans. Um, I can give you this example. I think one of the reason that people hate us is they actually don't need the product or the services that was advised that was advertised to them. Um, the ads were irrelevant and it was a waste of consumers time, but advertising is actually a service. Um, and we are not serving consumers well in a perfect world, a product or a service is advertised to a consumer at the exact moment they need it. And the product or the service is exactly what consumer needs. So mm -hmm. consumers don't have to go through this exhausting process of searching, right? Mm -hmm. But or all being the, targeted um, yeah, with they, something that's irrelevant to them. Exactly, yeah. Um, but in a perfect world, you would see the product or the services advertised to you at the moment 
that you need it. So once you need something, you don't have to, you know, go through this lengthy search process to look for the thing you need. It will be advertised to you. So advertising is a service, and but we're not doing this service well. Um, but the data and analytical capabilities we have today just doesn't allow that level of understanding. So um, I'm sorry to say that consumers will have to keep being bombarded with irrelevant ads. Mm -hmm. or, 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 or in my case, uh, relevant ads because companies have um, data on what I've been looking at and what I, I might be interested in, but not right. targeted to me at the right time. Yeah. For example, Could be. yeah, yeah, I, I don't need to be looking at um, sports apparel products at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning when I should be lo you know, looking at strictly work-based products, for example. Right. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Okay, so is this something that you think uh, can be addressed in the short term? Um, I don't think we can address this uh, in the short term. This requires the whole industry to um, discuss and uh, figure out answers to a lot of questions from what kind of data uh, we can collect to what analytical capabilities we should have. How can we connect what we observe to the deeper psychological human truth? And I, I think it goes back to the first point we talk about under the current privacy laws, regulations, what actually, you know, we can, um, we as companies can collect and how can we connect those, you know, collectible data to further understand people as people? It's a, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? In terms of the proliferation of uh, privacy rights or individuals' uh, rights to privacy and progress in terms of um, analytics capability and insights capability. Yeah. But yeah, what one thing that's true is product innovation is often born out of identifying a real customer need. Uh, and you as the potential creator are identifying that need. Yeah. So perhaps you could be the outlier that, um, that changes things. Do, do you see any, uh, perhaps you could be the outlier that changes things in that regard? Yeah. <laughs> do, do, in um, either with Strava or with similar mobility or, or tracking apps, where do you see the, the future of consumer insights specific to, to that, those areas? Sorry, where do you see the, the um, advances in consumer insights? Yeah, um, I think just to be completely transparent with you, I think uh, 
consumer insights are is still taking baby steps in tech companies. Um, we see users as members, and um, we don't see them as humans. So when we see, for example, um, their their tracking data, um, we we see that oh they like tracking so. Let's encourage them to track more, but we don't understand why they want to track, right? Uh, like, like I said, there is um, there is a need for social recognition that's actually driving their tracking behavior. There is a need for self recognition. I want to see myself progressing, right? That's driving this uh, tracking. So, what you need to address is not a need for tracking, but the need for self-recognition or need for social recognition. Um, and where, where insights um, has a role to play is really help your data team or help the business to understand what is the deeper human truth that's you know, driving what your data team is seeing what is the deeper human truth that's driving what your data team is seeing interesting that's right. the social <clears throat> excuse me and self-recognition i'd like to see that come to some fruition um particularly with strava so i will look out for that i'm um, i'm conscious of time and it has been you know a really great conversation really uh, really insightful and um, thought-provoking thought in terms of the um, human psychology behind it. What I'd like to do before we wrap it up, given your status, given your years of experience and, and clearly your wisdom, could you provide us with, or should I say, what single piece of advice could you provide the data community with today? Oh, uh, <laughs> a hard question. Um, I guess my advice would be um, double down on your storytelling skills. Keep in mind that your job is not delivering a data analysis, but influencing business decisions. You succeed when your work makes a business impact. Okay, double down on your storytelling skills. Okay. So yeah. th thinking about how your work in data analytics can have a, an influence on the business. Yeah. Storytelling skills, tell us a bit more about that. What areas yeah, should they be um, doubling down on? And, and why? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time when data analysts got excited presenting the fancy analysis or the statistics model to the stakeholders, if you look at the audience, you would know you have lost them. Um, the, the US uh, comedian, Alan Elder wrote a 
interesting book about communication. Um, he, he wrote this book to scientists, but I would recommend every data analyst or anyone in a technical position to read. Um, so the book is, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? So knowing how to tell a good story using your audience's language is an essential skill for all the data professionals. If your internal stakeholders doesn't understand what you are telling them, then all the sweat and blood you put into the hard work is wasted. Um, if you are talking to someone in marketing, then speak a language that marketers understand. If you're talking to someone to finance, speak their language. Um, data only creates value when they result in changing of business decisions. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. That that's a we often talk about social skills on the podcast and how yeah. uh, data professionals need to think more socially to understand yeah. their audience. But this really takes it to another level. Thanks very much for that, Serena. Yeah. And I've taken Thanks. note of the book and I'll post a link to it. If if I understood you, would I have this look would I have, have that face? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It sounds like a funny one as well. So I'll, I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, okay. Thanks for everything today, Serena. Really interesting uh, conversation uh, and a journey you've taken us on. So th thanks very much for that. Um, I'd also like to say for anyone else who has any questions or feedback for, for us at Zuma about the podcasts or indeed for Serena about consumer insights, drop them in the comment section. We'd be really, really pleased to hear from you. And of course, don't forget to like and share uh, so that we can spread this to as many people as possible. And Serena, until next time. Thank you so much. It's See you great too. to be here. Wonderful. Thank you, too. All right. Take care now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.